Welcome back, listeners, and thank you for tuning in to Who Knew We Didn't. This is the podcast where we discuss different psychological concepts, try to make sense of them, and figure out how they apply to our everyday lives. My name is Megan, and my partner and podcast here is... Marta, and I have ADHD. <laughs> yes, as we are going to learn about this week, we're we're mixing it up. We are, uh, instead of doing our usual, like, pick a topic and share a research kind of episode, we're going to do a Q&A about Marta and ADHD today. Um, yeah, so... So you, you may have already, if you've listened to some earlier episodes, you might already know that Marta has ADHD uh, and, and got diagnosed with it much later in life, as far as I know. Um, so we wanted to do an episode that narrows in on ADHD and explores what it is and what it's like to live with it, maybe clarify some common misconceptions. Um, yeah, so, so we're going to do that today. Uh, before we get into Marta's story... Uh, we're going to do just kind of a brief explanation of what ADHD is. It stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, and it's one of the most commonly diagnosed mental disorders in children. The American Psychiatric Association estimates that 5% of children and 2.5% of adults have ADHD. Um, symptoms of ADHD include inattention, like just not being able to focus on anything, hyperactivity, which would be excess movement that is not fitting into the setting, and impulsivity, which is like hasty acts that occur in the moment without any thought or forethought. Um, so like I say, that was just a, a really brief description to help us get this conversation started. But I'm sure as we go through the Q&A, um, we'll, we'll uncover a lot more details about what ADHD is and what contributes to it. So, mm -hmm. yeah, um, I thought uh, before we get into your personal story, it would be good to get some baseline questions about ADHD going. Um, so how exactly does ADHD act on the brain? Like what areas of the brain does it affect? So um, there's this, yeah, there's this uh, researcher, doctor, whatever you want to call it, that I... Um, cite quite heavily in all of my answers. His name is Dr. Barkley. Um, and so as he describes it, just like as a general overview, you there are two parts of your brain. There's the knowledge part and there's the performance part. ADHD is an issue or is a dysfunction in the performance part. So you can have somebody who knows all the things in the world, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to do it because of ADHD. Um, the performance part of your brain is the prefrontal cortex, and it controls problem solving, memory, language, motivation, judgment, impulse control, social behavior, planning, decision making, attention, ability to delay, gratification, and time perception. That was a lot. Uh huh. Yeah. So um, don't worry about memorizing all of those things because <laughs> I'll slowly talk lot. about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, ADHD is associated with abnormally low levels of neurotransmitters between the prefrontal cortical area, so the place responsible for all of those things, and the basal ganglia. Um, and those neurotransmitters are dopamine and noradrenaline. Dopamine specifically is closely associated with reward centers of the brain and also interacts with other potent neurotransmitters to regulate mood. Low dopamine levels drive the individual or the ADHD kid to seek reward uh, to seek the reward feeling by other means. Mm. So uh, this will come back when we're talking about like, if we talk about treatments for ADHD, a lot of it is taking reward externally and like taking everything external because these people don't have the ability to do it internally. Wow. Yeah. So like external rewards, external motivation, all of that works really well for people with ADHD because they don't really have it internally, which is why 
some people don't get some people like me don't get diagnosed until later on in life when they're in more like free form schooling situations like when I was in university because in elementary school and high school you're more structured and regimented and when I got to university and it was a free-for-all I was like oh shit I'm a moron I don't know how to school so hmm. there's that yeah wow um Dysfunction in the prefrontal cortex in general is associated with ADHD. So I mentioned the uh, low levels of neurotransmitters, but it could be low levels of anything else in the prefrontal cortex. So it's not necessarily only the neurotransmitters because some people have perfectly fine levels of neurotransmitters, but the actual um, neurochemicals are low or or the um, amino acids that transport the neurochemicals are low or dysfunctioned. So it could be anything, but like that's where medication works on the brain as well. It for ADHD is to boost those dopamine receptors, like to boost reuptake or, uh, or sorry, to, I think it's slow down reuptake of dopamine, that sort of thing in order to help the ADHD addled brain. What's interesting, what I always really like to talk about is brain scans. So if you're taking uh, an image of the brain, you can expect the following characteristics of an ADHD brain. And I really want to get a brain scan of my brain just to see. Um, so there's like make a poster of it and hang it on your wall. That would actually be the yeah, coolest poster ever. That would be super cool. Um, this is my disordered brain. <laughs> Compare it to like a non-ADHD brain. Yeah. 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 Um, or like a family portrait, but like just all your brain scans. That oh, would actually be so really, cool. really cool. Also probably the most fucking expensive family portrait yeah, that probably. ever existed. <laughs> Depending on the photographer though, family portraits can run a pretty buck. <laughs> anyway, sorry for interrupting. That's okay. So in my family portrait, you would see low density of gray matter, abnormalities in the structure of white matter, lower than normal total brain volume. This one in particular is more common in children. Uh, when children mature, it tends to catch up with other regular children. Um, And this is interesting that one third of children grow out of ADHD. I was going to say, is that like where that phrase comes from that you'll grow out of it? Grow out of it. Yeah. Because like your neural development catches up or like compensates in other ways. Huh. But not everyone as, um, as evidenced by me, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, reduced size of some parts of the brain, slower than normal cortical maturation up to adult life, and reduced cortical thickness in adults, especially the cortical network responsible for focused attention. So things that we've learned from previous talks about brains is that the the brain is really plastic, um, that you can... Plastic, that's not the word. Yeah, neuroplasticity. Yeah, Yeah. so the brain is like really adaptable. So you can, with an ADHD brain, with the help of medication, it's actually extremely treatable. It's not something that's curable. So Dr. Barkley refers to it as the diabetes of uh, psychiatry. Wow. Because it's an ongoing illness whose whose primary effects need to be um, like closely monitored and closely like worked with treated so that you don't have any of those secondary effects huh yeah anyway yeah so that's the neurological functions of adhd like how it functions in the brain what it is it's not just like a personality disorder or like oh just snap out of it like there's actual differences it doesn't really sound like it's a personality disorder at all it sounds like it maybe impacts your personality but it doesn't sound like it's a yeah it's personality at all yeah yeah wow because i've had it like when i was younger 
Um, especially my dad, he's a pretty classically thinking dude. Uh, mm -hmm. and he's like, oh, well you just have to like, you just need something that you're interested in or you just need the right mode. Like you need the right like discipline or whatever. And then you'll be better. I'm like, well, yes, but also my brain is not the same as yours. Well, and so. it's also sort of like saying to a diabetic, you just, you just need discipline and you your just body will be better. Yeah, yeah. And you'll fix your diabetes. Yeah. Huh. Anyway. Yeah. Interesting. And I'm glad that you compared it to something like a really physical thing. That's a, I, I like, I'm an examples person, so I'm, I'm a fan <laughs> of that. So on the tails of that explanation of what uh, ADHD does to the brain, Megan, you told me that you did some research yourself as well. Yes, I did do some research to prepare for this because I knew obviously you were going to come with a lot of knowledge and I didn't want to be like a total dope over here. <laughs> well, ADHD kids, we have lots of knowledge, but execution is <laughs> poo. Um, anyway, so as part of your research, did you look into like diagnosing of ADHD, what happens with kids, that sorts of thing? Yeah, yeah. So um I did. I did look into that. So there, what I found were there are kind of like three types, uh, not three types of diagnosis, but like three things that are really like evaluated when diagnosing a child. And that's inattention, uh, hyperactivity and impulsivity. Pretty obvious considering that's the definition of ADHD. Um, so the symptoms of each for inattention or inattentiveness, um, six of the following symptoms uh, need to be present in children or five of the following symptoms need to be present for people over 17 um, and they must occur frequently. So they uh, don't pay close attention to details or they make careless mistakes in school or in job tasks. Uh, problems staying focused on ta tasks or activities such as like during a lecture or a conversation or a long reading assignment. Um, don't seem to listen when they're spoken to like they seem to be elsewhere. Um, does not follow through on instructions and doesn't complete schoolwork or chores or job duties. They might like start a task, but really quickly would lose focus. Um, problems organizing tasks and work, for example, um, just poor time management, like messy, disorganized work, missing deadlines, um, avoiding or disliking tasks that require sustained mental effort, like preparing reports or completing forms, um, often loses things that are needed for tasks or for daily daily life, like their schoolwork or their books or their keys or their wallet or their phone or their glasses or just like stuff that you need every day. Like, why, why don't you have that? Um, easily distracted and forgetting daily tasks like doing chores or errands or something like that for older teens and adults it might be like forgetting to return a phone call or forgetting to pay their bills or keep appointments or that sort of thing um, and for all of these like what I found as I was doing my research was I, I kept identifying with a lot of these and noticing every time that like I meet one of these things and started being like oh man like does that mean that I do? Or then I started thinking, well, wait a second. These are all kind of general. So it's when it becomes detrimental to your life. It's not just like like all of us lose focus sometimes, but um, it doesn't prevent us from being productive or successful. Yeah. And a point on that, like how everybody can kind of identify, it's because ADHD isn't really, well, the way Dr. Barkley explains it is that ADHD isn't necessarily an attention deficit. It's an intention deficit. Like, so kids with ADHD tend to get like hyper-focused on certain things. Yeah. Like 
uh, video games because there's intrinsic reward and immediate reward built into it. So they do really well with that, but they can't get themselves out of it. So for example, when I'm researching something that's really, really interesting to me, I can stay for like three or four hours on it, which is what was really hard for me to get diagnosed because my parents were like, oh, well, she reads for forever. Like she can read for an entire day. Mm -hmm. But that's because like my motivation system, I was like, my motivation is to get to the end of the story to like get to all the plot points anyway i went on a complete digression here because i got distracted myself but <laughs> when you said you identified with a lot of the things it's executive function that's involved with intention and executive function for everybody is a challenge mm -hmm. and it's hard work for everyone it depletes for everyone but just for adhd people it depletes a lot quicker um, and it takes more work to restore executive function so executive function is that thing that like makes you hold five things in your brain yeah like oh okay i'm leaving the house and i need my keys and i need my coffee and i need this bag and that bag and you'll leave the house without your coffee and you're like well fuck so that's adhd for everyone all like that's for every adhd person that's like their day-to-day -day life but like when you're scattered and your executive function is low maybe you're hungover whatever then that happens to regular people too yeah yeah wow Thanks for that clarification. Sorry, it rambled. No, not clarified. at all. It was very relevant. Um, and leads well into what the, the next um, type um, is hyperactivity and impulsivity. So for this, <laughs> six of the following symptoms or five for people over 17 years old have to occur frequently. So fidgeting or tapping your hands or feet, um, squirming in your seat, not able to stay seated in a classroom or in your workplace, um, running about, climbing where it's inappropriate, um, unable to play or do leisure activities quietly, um, having like an always on the go, like as if you're driven by a motor, um, talks too much, blurts out an answer before a question has been finished, like you might finish people's sentences, but you can't and like you can't wait to start speaking in a conversation um having difficulty waiting your turn like while waiting in line or to answer a question when um, you said that like i keep raising my mic to my mouth i'm like i want to say here i want to say something here yeah i, say I didn't here. even think about it but like, the if you've so ever weird. edited who knew we didn't then you oh, know that fuck. that's a <laughs> recurring thing for us sorry <laughs> no i'm it's a joke um <laughs> anyway uh marta laugh here okay. yeah marta laugh here um <laughs> Having difficulty waiting your turn while waiting in line or answering a question, like I just said, um, interrupting or intruding others, for instance, like cutting into conversations uh. or games or activities, starting to use other people's things without their permission, um, and older teens and adults might um, take over what other people are doing. So. Um, yeah, so that's what I found for the like symptoms and diagnosis uh, in children, like like identifying those issues, and that's what would lead someone to. Um, mm -hmm give that diagnosis but another thing that kept coming up for me uh, I do have a, a relative that was diagnosed with ADHD but I feel like it was called ADD when he was diagnosed oh I was gonna and say are we related because no <laughs> no but and and like every single one of those things on the list were, were things that he exhibited for like forever um but what kept coming up for me as I was doing this research was I was sure that he it was I was sure when he got diagnosed that it was, it was called, called ADD, ADD and it led me to ask like what's the difference there like is there a difference there um, so I'm just going to really quickly address that because it came up for me while I was doing all of this preparation for this episode um, so is there a difference between ADHD and ADD basically ADD which 
uh, would stand for attention deficit disorder. It's the same as ADHD without the hyperactivity symptoms. So when the DSM-5 was released, ADD actually became a subtype of ADHD to describe people who have all the other um, telltale signs of ADHD with the exception of hyperactivity. And this is a common misconception about ADHD that like all kids with ADHD are hyper, but ADD, like the non-hyperactivity, um, is actually just a subtype of ADHD. So it all falls under ADHD, but some kids, um, just because a kid is hyper doesn't mean they have ADHD. And just because a kid is not very hyper, it doesn't mean that they do not have ADHD. Yeah. And something that I found with this, like, it's interesting that you mention the DSM-5, because I think we found this when we were talking about psychopathy, sociopathy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that sociopathy wasn't actually in the DSM. Yeah. Yeah, that the DSM, to me, seems a little bit like it's a bit slow on the uptake in some fields. So with the ADHD conversation... I don't even think of ADD anymore. There's just ADHD, inattentive, or impulsive hyperactive. Yeah. And there's those two subtypes. Like, I don't even think of ADD. But I guess ADD could be the inattentive subtype. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so exactly. Just the way that it, like, defines it is interesting. And also, when you were talking about diagnosis for kids, some of those things that, um, like, for example, starts using other people's things before asking. No, that's just because your kid is not well-trained and doesn't... <laughs> And doesn't know social rules. Like if your kid was trained by two Polish parents that would hit you if you were a brat, then you don't do that. Yeah. Or um, to like Scottish farmer parents. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You don't use people's things without asking. And if you do, like you hide that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Or maybe they're only children and they're not used to having to ask permission or something like that. Because I tell you, if you're the youngest of four... And you use somebody else's shit, you gonna hear about it. <laughs> You're gonna get hurt real bad. <laughs> um, yeah, so so that was that was something that always um, came up for me, and I really wanted to uh, address that. So sorry, I know this is supposed to be a Q and A for you, but I no, I'm I ate that Q. But I have another one for you. So, do we know what causes ADHD? No. Oh, we don't. No. Oh, well, we know like. We know the things in the brain that cause people to exhibit some like ADHD symptoms, uh, but we don't know like, oh, if you do this to your child, it will give them ADHD. Or if you do that to your child, it'll cause this neurodevelopmental right, because issue. Because it's a neural thing. It's probably not like a, you did something to your kid, but like, would it be genetic? So, so I have a few, I have a list of things okay. that are like known to be linked, but none of them are surefire. Like... Um, anyway, so brain anatomy, which we learned, is what causes ADHD to show. Genetics is another thing. So several genes are related to ADHD causation. And it turns out that ADHD is actually quite heritable. So people yeah. who have ADHD likely have parents who have ADHD or, or siblings. Other. Yeah. yeah. Huh. And it's very interesting. Like, I've looked at some of my relatives, and I will not name any of them. But I'm like, you're a little flighty. You're a little bit of a space cadet. And, like, you never realize that this is like potentially a disorder I hate referring to it as a disorder and I'll get into that when we talk about my personal story but like there are things to help you not be this flighty Hmm. so like maybe you have something that you need to work with differently and you can't live in the world the same way that other people do because you have ADHD like me (laughs) so yeah so it's genetics uh another thing is things that mothers do while they're while they have a baby in their 
uh, uterus, so drug abuse, alcohol intake, and smoking. So it's like while they're pregnant. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's not just like if I'm drinking all the time and smoking before I get pregnant, my kid would have ADHD. I mean, hopefully like, not. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, exposure to toxins. So we know that toxins can have like a variety of effects. One of them is neurotoxicity. So they can slow or inhibit the development of certain areas of the brain which could be involved with adhd traumatic brain injury so if you get brain injury to the prefrontal cortex that could give you adhd wow Mm -hmm. and then food additives surprisingly have a link to adhd and so there's certain dyes in food like certain food colorings Hmm. that are linked with adhd when parents exclude them from their children's diets they actually reduce the effects of ad or reduce the signs and symptoms of adhd so it's very interesting that's incredible could somebody have adhd i wonder and then like like if you were diagnosed with adhd and then you made like a really concerted effort to remove those things from the diet would it lessen your symptoms but not like it wouldn't cure ADHD to remove those things right yeah not 100% of the people had effective results in the study where they changed the diet of the children and thus ADHD like symptoms lowered but some of them like food allergies like wheat allergies or dairy allergies those types of things can worsen the symptoms of ADHD and those food additives but one thing that I wanted to point out is everybody points the finger at sugar that sugar is bad for kids with ADHD but it is not there's actually research that shows that sugar is good for ADHD because your prefrontal cortex is the cookie monster of sugar of glucose so it needs glucose as a fuel source so there's advice now that if you have ADHD and you're writing an exam or you need some kind of extended conservative concerted focus effort you should be like sipping on something that has glucose that's very bioavailable so any kind of sweet drink like gatorade or lemonade don't be chugging it because then you'll have a spike and crash yeah but sip it while you're trying to focus because that's fuel for your prefrontal cortex that is now my rationale for the amount of sweets that i want to eat in my life it's all feeding my it cookie should, monster prefrontal cortex. Yeah, it should be in liquid form, but oh. if you uh, because it's more readily available for use. But if you, I, what if I'm I just sure don't chew it a lot. the cookies? <laughs> oh fuck yes! <laughs> Sem- Can I just like eat cookies? Semi fluid. <laughs> yes, perfect. Um, all right. Anything else you want to add on the causes of ADHD? Mm-mm. All right. Well, then my next question for you is uh, talking about treatment. So, what are the most sort of common treatments like uh, medications or are we talking diet or behavior management is the treatment going to be different for a child with ADHD than for an adult and like does the time you get diagnosed affect the treatment that you get so it's interesting because ADHD is pretty undertreated um which is funny because we hear about all these people being diagnosed with yeah, ADHD that is funny. but then going off their meds or whatever or not taking meds or parents being afraid of the medication um, ADHD medication is much more effective than depression and anxiety medication which wow. psychiatrists give out willy nilly and people take no problem but uh, specifically anxiety medication but like so ADHD medication is like this big scary thing and it's also extremely stigmatized which I'll talk about when I talk about like my personal story with medication but it's very undertreated as far as combined therapy as well so medication is the first thing that's prescribed for people with ADHD but what they don't realize is that it's a 
dual pronged uh, treatment process. So you have to be taking the medication, yes, but then there's also behavioral things that need to be changed Mm -hmm. as well. So for me, for example, I started self-treating without even knowing it when I was younger because to-do lists always worked really well for me and writing things down to keep them outside of my brain because otherwise I would just lose them in my brain uh, worked really well with me. Or whenever I had to write an essay, I would just like talk to my, talk to my, like I had a tape recorder that I would talk to instead of like typing because I couldn't write fast enough for my brain. And that was always like an issue for me. Um, wow. Yeah. So taking things like external people, like some people with ADHD do start to self treat. Like they realize like, Hey, this works a lot better for me than this thing, or this works a lot better for me than this thing could be because I was an undergrad in psych and it was really interesting for me to experiment with myself. And I was very introspective, but it's two pronged you need the medication, but you also need that external scaffolding in the areas where you actually do your work or you need to like perform and you're not performing. So there's people like they're called ADHD coaches, people who are trained with working with people with ADHD and actually helping them put those like ideas into practice in their lives. Wow. Therapy and meds, you can actually function really well. Cool. Um, all right. Well, I think at this point, then it's a good time to to have you tell us about your own diagnosis and, and your own sort of personal story. So, like, how did you end up? Because I know already you were much older than probably is common for ADHD mm-hmm. um, when you were diagnosed. So was it like a matter of you exhibiting the symptoms? Was it like you had to go through specific tests to get the diagnosis? Like, tell us about that. So, yeah, I was in university when I finally got the diagnosis uh, and I had to it was all run by me. Like I had to go and seek the um, I had to go out and seek the testing. I had to go do all of that kind of myself and say, like, I would like to be tested. Also, the testing in Ontario, I don't know how it works in other places, but if you get tested, it's an expensive thing to get tested. I think it's like five grand or something. Oh, my God. So to get tested, it has to be paid for. If you don't get any sort of diagnosis of any sort, no learning disability, no ADHD, you get charged for it. Um, If you get a learning disability or like a partial diagnosis, then you uh, part of it is covered by, I think, either the province or the federal government, one of the two. But if you get a full diagnosis, the test is completely covered it's probably provincial because i think education is a provincial funding yeah Yeah. maybe i don't i don't remember exactly how it worked but it was like there's no guarantee there's no incentive to get tested and nobody tests these kids um and for me so why i think it took so long why i think it took until university is because uh, the lower level schools like elementary school and high school do have a good structure for kids with ADHD. And also I think it's because I'm a girl and it's part of how girls are socialized. So it's like, sit down, shut up, be quiet, be polite. Like it's driven into you. So boys, like when we think of ADHD, we think about that kid that's like a Tasmanian devil just in a seat. And I was also always moving and tapping my foot and whatever, but it's because like, for me, I found more creative ways to be moving around the classroom. Like I would finish my homework in lightning speed because my motivation was, I want to get up and talk to my friends but I'm going to do it as the teacher's pet and I'm going to be like tutoring them per se so like I would get up and help other kids with their assignments because Mm. 
like because I finished my stuff really quickly and I think part of why it might have been un- like unseen in me is because again ADHD kids don't have an issue with the knowledge centers they have an issue with the performance centers and I tested for like in provincial testing I like ranked in the gifted levels so I was pushed towards the gifted program and so people were like oh this girl isn't underperforming at all she's actually like excelling in school which we know that girls tend to excel in school and boys there's a big crisis for boys in school right now Mm. so that's why boys tend to be way more diagnosed with ADHD than girls are when they're younger that's something that I, I didn't answer earlier with the diagnosis question and treating questions but that's why I think for me in particular it was later because I was socialized to not show the symptoms of ADHD but like when I was a kid I was always climbing shit my parents just thought I was like outdoorsy and whatever which I am like outdoorsy and adventurous and whatever but it's also because like I just can't keep it together and (laughs) you'll you'll notice like even in staff meetings like I'm always moving or like looking around or like touching things we had a particularly long staff meeting the other day and I was like touching the bookcase behind me (laughs) I was like stroking it (laughs) like in need of like some kind of other thing so I was diagnosed really, really late. It was mostly driven by me. And what drove me to actually pursue that diagnosis is because in second year, I was struggling quite a bit in university um, and I was required to withdraw because I fell into a depression. I didn't go to any of my exams or didn't complete any of my assignments. And I thought that something was fundamentally wrong with me. Like I'm an idiot. Not only am I an idiot, I'm a bad person because I know I have to do these things. I know I have to study. Like I know I have to sit down and focus. Like why can't I do it? Why can't I just sit down? What's wrong with me that like, I know how important this is. I'm paying out the ass for school and I'm still not doing it. Yeah. And when I was a kid, I remember I had this conversation with my mom. I was like, mom, like I'm worried because right now in school, like I don't actually have to learn anything. Like I know all the things, which was very like asshole-ish thing of little Marta to say like, oh, I know everything. But I felt like I never really had to make an effort to learn things when I was younger. And then when I was older, like in university, you actually have to make your own effort to learn things. So I told her, I was like, I'm afraid of the day that I run out of knowledge because I'm afraid that I don't know how to learn. And like, kind of, I didn't have the right tools to learn. Like I didn't know about all these things that I need. Like I didn't know that I needed checklists and I didn't know that I needed to take time external. And like the Pomodoro technique has saved me like in my working life where you set a timer, like work for this many minutes, step away for this many minutes. Like that's the only thing that gets me through a work day. So yeah, I was kicked out of school because I fell into a depression likely because of ADHD and I didn't know how to handle it. I was like, it takes me so much longer to study than any other kid, like than any other person. But I felt like I was of higher intelligence because on the tests I would score higher Hmm. than a lot of other people. I had like a higher knowledge of the topics, but to read a book, like to read, um, like the textbooks, I would read the first paragraph like 10 times and then just fall asleep because I was like, this is so boring and understimulating and just like pass out. And I felt like such a cop out. I felt like those people that are like, oh, school's so boring. So I'm just going to go to sleep or like the people that just like phone it in. But meanwhile, I had this problem. I had this disorder. So then third year I came back. Um, I went away for two years and then I came back in third year of university and I was determined to finish on time, which is a crazy feat because I failed a lot of courses in second year. So I had to take extra, like I was overloaded Mm -hmm. for both years. Um, I went to a therapist in third year just once and she's like, okay, well, have you considered that it could be something else? Like you could have a learning disability and whatever. And 
me being like the cocky little shit that I was. I was like, no, I don't have a learning disability. Like I, I'm smart. I got into the gifted program. I was like, I was always really smart. Like I'm not dumb. But here's that's the problem. Like you're not dumb. Yeah, a learning disability is not really yeah. necessarily intelligence at all. Yeah, it's in with ADHD specifically. It's an intention disorder. It's not a knowledge disorder. You can know everything, but not be able to execute. And so where I thought that it was like a moral failing, like a failing of my character, that I was a bad person and whatever, I had something that was treatable and helpable. But I wasn't doing anything about it. So I pursued, uh, I think it was fourth year by the time I actually got my diagnosis. And it was like a huge light bulb went off. Wow. And I was like, wow. Like, it felt amazing because it was validating. I'm like, okay, there's, yes, technically there's something wrong with me, but there's nothing wrong with me. Yeah. Like, I just have ADHD. And then I think It's not all the other things I thought were wrong with me. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I think of it more of, like, there's nothing per se wrong with me I'm just different I think differently I need different things to succeed in like today's society but potentially this is only my own like musings potentially it's an adaptation to the environment like because any anything that comes in like any signal that comes in it's not that I sense things like more than other people like if I hear a sound or a smell or whatever but it's that I can't not pay attention to it so in the hunter-gatherer days maybe that was a good thing that if a signal comes in you're like oh fuck what's that even if you're like focused on cooking or like deboning your meat or whatever some a signal comes in you're like oh my god maybe danger yeah so or maybe opportunity yeah yeah yeah, so that's my story, and wow. I, don't, I don't think of it as a dysfunction or a disability, just I'm different, and diff- like I need different things to succeed. Huh, <laughs> very cool. Um, so I have a couple of other questions like relating to your personal story, so um, thank you for like all of that. That was incredible, um, but I want to know more about like the tests that you took to get the diagnosis, like what what were the tests what was it like a written test because i feel like that's a little funny considering somebody with adhd might have a lot of trouble sitting down and doing a written test weed out adhd kids by just like putting them in a room and telling them to write a four-hour test (laughs) um yeah so so what what is the test and like what what are the uh, what are the is it a series of questions it is is it a series of like situations that you have to react to like like tell me about that So it was a number of things. First, I had to get referred for testing from a therapist. Mm -hmm. At least that's the way that it worked at my school, that somebody has to recommend that you go get tested. Um, And then there's intake questionnaires. They're basically just screening screening questionnaires. And there's a document review. So they ask for all of your report cards forever and ever. Wow. Mm -hmm. Um, If you keep those kinds of records, then that's great. Uh, they also ask for your parents to fill out two questionnaires and you fill out two questionnaires. And these questionnaires ask on the all of the things that were listed in the DSM. So yeah. impulsivity, like did your kid climb a lot of things? Did they have anger issues? Like whatever. And my mom's like, yes, she climbed fucking everything. Like, yes, she was an angry child. And I think I've mentioned that yeah. on the podcast before. Like she had like emotional regulation issues sometimes and whatever but like she always excelled in school and one of the like one of the most telling things here is like marta's grades ranged from 51 to 98 or or something so like i never failed anything in elementary and high school but like i came damn close yeah but also like crushed it in some other areas so 
it was just all over the place. There's so there's the document review. Uh, then there's assessment measure measures. So those are actually like tests that they administer to you, but they're like behavioral tests and situational tests. And there's written tests, so uh, or questionnaires. So we ha the assessment measures. There's an initial interview where she just asks you basically the same kind of questions that you had for the screening. Um, I say she because my yeah. Um, what uh, do you call her? Conductor. Assessor. Uh, assessor. Um, because my assessor was a female. So there's the initial interview, then the Weschler Adult Intelligence Scale. Um, I have an issue with intelligence scales anyways, but let's put that to the side for a moment. The Weschler Memory Scale, the Woodcock-Johnson Achievement Scales, Nelson-Denny Reading Test, Comprehensive Test of Phonological Processing. So there's all of those. Those are just the assessment measures. And then there's questionnaires. So the Connors Adult ADHD Rating Scale Self-Report. So... These are the questionnaires that I filled out. Mm -hmm. Connor's adult rating scale observer, um, long report. So that's my mom, what she filled out. Behavior rating inventory of executive functioning, behavior rating inventory of executive functioning. But two of them were, one of them was self-report. One of them is, was informant. Okay. So those are the questionnaires that me and my mom filled out. And so with the assessment measures, the um, adult intelligence scale was... They just asked me questions about like basically trivia and I was supposed to answer them. So kind of just like a regular IQ test. Uh, we can talk about IQ tests, I think, in another episode yeah. because I have feelings okay. about IQ okay. tests. <laughs> <laughs> um, memory scales, those were... It, they test you in like different types of memory. So visual, spatial, uh, numerical memory, like logical memory, all that sort of thing. So in one of them, they'll read you a passage and then the, you'll do like a bunch of other tests. And then 40 minutes later, you're asked to recall information from that passage. They read you 40 minutes ago, stuff like that. Okay. So like all of them were kind of like interwoven. It was pretty cool. And I actually really enjoyed the testing because it was just all interesting to me. Um, other ones, you know, that game with like memory tiles where yes. you have tiles on a, yeah. So like flip this tile and then flip this tile. So like how quickly or how many flips it takes you that gets counted, which I think is weird because some of it's luck, but I did it a couple times. Then another thing was like, okay, you have a certain, you have tiles in front of you, manipulate them to match this picture that they show you. So they show you like this picture of an amorphous blob and you're supposed to arrange the tiles to make the same picture. Yeah. So you get like timed for those kinds of things, that sort of thing. The tests where I struggled the most were tests with working memory. So they'd read me a string of like four numbers and five numbers and six numbers, seven. And then I was supposed to tell them back to them or tell them backwards or tell them what the middle number was or whatever. So like anything where I'm supposed to hold numbers in my brain, I was fucked. Like, yeah. I just couldn't do it. Um, also, I had a couple math, like basic arithmetic, arithmetic tests. I did fine on the tests themselves, but it's they watch you while you're doing the test to see what you do. So like I talked to myself or when I was doing the test, I asked for a piece of scrap paper so that I could write the numbers on the side or... I had all the numbers written all over the thing and like they look for those things like what huh. I do to like self-help kind of because I can't do math in my brain like I need to take it out and actually whatever so that's actually one of the treatments that I wanted to talk about later on like for kids with math like what's the thing called with the beads an abacus yeah like you're encouraged to give your kid an abacus or a calculator or like something to play with like beads so that they can can count with if they have ADHD because they can't hold it in their brain. That's cool. 
Yeah. Um, Man, that abacus, after all these years, still has really practical use, eh? My parents took mine away from me because I was always make, always making lots of noise with it instead. <laughs> I would just, like, shake it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever used an abacus actually for counting. Like, I mostly just that? shook it around, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there's that kind of stuff. My favorite test was all of the grammatical tests. So they tell you, like, a made-up word, and you're supposed to, like, spell it for them. And that sort of thing. That's or, cool. or they give you a lot of sentences um, and they're like, okay, find the grammatical error here. Or like based on where the sentence is going, how would you finish it? Or like what word is most appropriate? Like what word fits best? And that sort of thing. And I actually did really, really well on those, which is probably part of the thing that masked my ADHD uh, because I had like... I was in the 96th or 7th percentile for some of the grammatical things and some of like the language things. Mm. I did really, really well. I wonder if that's like you get personal reward from that. And so, oh, yeah. yeah, you enjoy it and therefore you excel at it. Yeah. So all of these scales, you get um, you get compared against the average person. Uh, so it's not really like you get compared, like there's a perfect score and then they see how far, you, far off you are from the perfect score, but you get compared to the average person. For some of these, it's, for some of them I got compared to Canadian kids, but many of these scales have not been used enough in Canada that I got it compared to American kids. So yeah, you get compared against kids in the States or kids in Canada based on how good the numbers are in Canada. Um, and then you get put on a a range so there's very superior range which is the 97th percentile superior which is 92nd to 97th high average which is 76th to 91st average 25th to 75th and then low average 9th to 24th percentile then there's borderline range and very low range this means that you're like basically unable to do these tasks oh wow that um luckily i didn't get any anything that was borderline or very low um, but, but that wouldn't necessarily, again, mean anything about your intelligence. It would just like maybe identify the severity of your ADHD. Yeah. So some of them, like uh, there was one intelligence task, but a, a lot of the other stuff was like processing and like problem solving. And it wasn't necessarily about how smart you are, but like how you work with information and how you can like retain and recall and manipulate information in your brain, which is a lot of the ADHD like, that's what they're interested in with ADHD. Um, so for generally across the board, verbal comprehension, I scored quite high. Uh, working memory, I scored average, which is interesting because that's the part that ADHD kids struggle with, working memory. Huh. Um, but processing speed, so quickly process visual information, I was a low average. Um, yeah. Perceptual organization, so organized visual information, I was high. And general ability index so general cognitive ability i was high average as well so because i have like three high average scores it masked my low average score i have three high average one regular average it masked my low average throughout school like throughout childhood but uh one of the tests the woodcock johnson test of achievement it process it was one where i had to read a passage and they I didn't know this, but they were timing me on how long it took me to read a passage. Oh. And then I had to answer questions based on the passage. And they also check, like, so they do it so they put the passage together, like, the actual story is on the front of the booklet, but then the questions you have to, like, flip pages to go to the questions. And so you can see if the kid is flipping pages back and forth uh, to go back to the passage to recall. 
Um, and so for that one, reading rate, to, the ability to read quickly with comprehension, I was low average. So I was in the 10th percentile. Huh. So I read very slowly when I'm trying to comprehend, but my comprehension in general is fine. Like, so I understand the passages once I get through them, but it takes me a very long time to actually get through them. Huh. My favorite thing was spelling of sounds. So spelling of single non-words. I was in the 99th percentile, <laughs> which makes me very happy. And writing fluency. So writing quickly with structure using models. So it's like, write a sentence that's that has this structure or write a sentence that has that structure. I was like, yeah, no fucking problem. <laughs> Give me numbers. And I'm like, problem. <laughs> like, math fluency. I was in the 9th percentile. So math, I'm really glad I just didn't go into anything with math yeah. because that shit fucked me up. Anyway, my diagnosis at the end of all of this was attention deficit hyper hyperactivity disorder combined type. So um, you have both the inattention and the impulsivity hyperactivity type. Yeah, boy. Um, so that's my those are the tests that were run on me. Wow. And those are my scores. They're incredibly comprehensive. Yeah, sorry. That took a long time. No, no. It, it was really interesting. That's cool. That it made me think so much about like the standardized testing that we do in Ontario. I think that it's done in a lot of provinces uh, in Canada. I don't know about the U.S. if they do any standardized testing. Did you want to know that the PCs want to get rid of standardized testing in Ontario? Well, that it's interesting that we're so close to the election and you mentioned that because that's ridiculous. Like if if you're finding that those tests are not as heavily used in Canada or something and so you have to measure against a country that has a completely different education system than us but like it feels to me like standardized testing is probably a really good thing not just for rating the literacy levels of kids in different areas but also for like building these sorts of averages so that it's easier uh, or not necessarily easier but like you can be more effective at diagnosing not just ADHD, but other types of learning disabilities because it gives you a better average to um, compare with. And not even diagnosing disabilities, but I just have, I was going to mention this in our closing notes, but I guess I'll say it now. I have a huge qualm with our education system in general I do that we well. don't tailor to the way that certain kids excel. Like, for example, somebody should have picked up that I'm in the 99th fucking percentile for anything to do with writing and language. And, like, that's where I should have been shuttled. Like, I should have been moved into that path and not been like, oh, well, Marta's really smart. So, like, let's shove her into the sciences, the maths and sciences. Instead, I was, yeah, put put in that direction because I'm really smart and that's what you're told. That's where smart kids go. But, like, somebody, if we did these kinds of tests on all kids, if we took, like, one day and just had a bunch of psych psychotherapists come in and test these kids like maybe we would know how kids learn better and we can put them into different like learning groups so that they can learn better like with kids who learn in the same way as each other yeah um it's funny you say that i did uh it was the day i learned the word proactive i did uh um i forget what it was but it was uh field trip and we went to the YMCA and it was a whole day about like different styles of learning really and like we all had to my whole uh I think I was in grade seven the whole grade seven not just my class but the other grade seven class as well we had to um they we learned at the beginning of the day about a bunch of different ways of learning like are you a kinetic learner are you a visual learner are you like an audio learner and those sorts of things and we all identified ourselves as being 
whatever felt most right to us and the teachers are like great let's smush you back into the same fucking classroom where everybody learns the same well no but for that (laughs) it was just for the field trip but like for that day we all got we all got to work together with like i identified myself as um uh i I don't remember if i went into i think i was in visual like i had to see things or maybe it was kinetic that i had to do things i can't i can't remember she says Um, gesticulating wildly with her hand i think it's probably kinetic (laughs) it was maybe a kinetic yeah but you have to um i have to I got to work with the other kids who like felt the same way about their learning styles. And then we all had to learn the same thing, but we learned it in a really different way. Like the group that did uh, the visual thing, their end product was like a huge poster with like a bunch of different things happening on it. Like, yeah, I forget. I wish I could remember what it was that we were learning about. And then the um, audio people, it was more of a presentation. Like it was like speaking and sharing Mm -hmm. and the kinetic learners was very like movement based and like more of a performance anyway it was just really neat and it feels like um it would be cool if we could identify those sorts of things in children early on because like regardless of interest or anything like that if you know how a kid learns best whatever they're interested in they can be better at learning in that field Mm -hmm. and maybe we would have a smarter future yeah. Like our kids would have a brighter future, but we'd have like a smarter workforce 30 years from now. Yeah. Or people who knew how to specialize and do things. Yeah. Smarter is probably not the right word, like a more like, productive yeah. or a more effective workforce. Yeah I, yeah. yeah. I agree. I just had this memory of like when you said something about like being active or whatever, I just remembered how like I was on a lot of sports teams and I was like, oh, maybe that's because I had ADHD. But then I was like, no, my ADHD did not help me on sports teams because I'd be playing volleyball and just like stop paying attention. (laughs) (laughs) The ball came over to our side and it was like honestly purely muscle memory. Also like a big thing is like uh, uh, impulsivity. Like you would do things without considering the consequences of the rules of the game. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Anyway, sorry. It just came to my mind. No, that's, that's really neat. Um, Well, I have another uh, sort of weird question, but um, like now that you've shared, like I feel like I have a really good understanding of not only how you got diagnosed, but like what it was like for you before getting diagnosed and what it was like for you afterward and that sort of thing. But I'm wondering, like, do you feel there are any upsides to having ADHD? Like the focus I feel is always on the negative aspects of ADHD and like what a struggle it is and what a problem it is and like how much um, like extra resources it takes and like all of those things might be true, but like, do you feel there are any positives as well to having ADHD? Yeah, so especially in latest, like lately, in like TED talks and stuff like that there's this been there's been this huge trend of calling ADHD a blessing and not a disorder and like that sounds a little hokey to me it's a fucking disorder but there are certain things that are upsides and then Dr. Hallowell is somebody who is a huge like not a naysayer but like Dr. Hallowell and Dr. Barkley's information or lectures are frequently pitted against each other but they're sim- like they work well together. I don't know if symbiotic is the right word, but like Dr. Barkley's like ADHD is a disorder. And then Dr. Hollowell's like ADHD is a blessing. He takes that sort of stance, but it's like two sides of the same coin. So the things that make us disordered are 
the fact that I have hyper focus in things that I'm really interested in. So like you can't fucking knock me out of researching something that I'm really interested in or yeah. Or if I'm doing something that I'm really interested in, uh, when I'm running, I find that I get that kind of hyper focus, but a lot of people say that when they have, when they go running, they find flow or whatever. Um, another thing is that because my brain like functions a little bit differently, people have like one of the pieces of feedback I've heard from my friends and from my family, even when I was a kid was like, Marta, how did you get to that? Like, how did you, how did your brain connect this to that? And sometimes it comes off as like being witty. Sometimes it comes off as being insane, whatever. But like, I think that ADHD helps me be funny and like maybe disarming because I do jump, jump to weird conclusions and like try to make them funny. I remember I have a memory of us in the car when I was a kid, when my parents would be talking about something and then like a minute or two later, I'd ask a question that's completely like not associated with anything that was happening in the car at all. They're like, how did you get to that? Or like, how did you get there? And I'm like, well, shoes have laces and laces are made out of cotton and somebody has to make the cotton. So I was wondering about cotton workers. And then I was thinking about this and then that. And then now we're at rutabagas. (laughs) So mom, can you tell me what color they are, please? And she's like, okay, well there, so there's frequently stuff like that. Like, that my brain just like links things together strangely. Um, and then the final upside of, upside of ADHD is I saw a say, saying that I really liked that we're masters of disaster because we frequently put ourselves into terrible situations where, uh, for example, I tell my pod buddy that I'll be ready to record two episodes on Sunday and then Saturday night at 10 PM. I'm like, okay, well time to sit down to do the research for these two episodes. So, you, it can be like that when you don't have ADHD as well. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> From my own personal podcasting experience. <laughs> but because we have so much experience of like putting ourselves into like weird situations or like so many times I'll be doing something and completely forget what I'm doing. And then like I have to scramble and play it off as if I didn't forget what I was doing. If you put me into really stressful situations, I tend to handle them quite well because I'm like, oh, this level of like agitation is actually quite normal for me. Like this level of adrenaline that most people would like freak out at. I'm like, this is what makes my brain work well. Like That's such a funny (laughs) saying. This level of agitation is actually quite normal for me. (laughs) So like sometimes uh, Calvin will get super frazzled by something or like super stressed by something like there's a lot going on. I'm like, this is calm waters. This is zen. Yeah, I'm like compared to <laughs> compared to what's going on in my brain at any given moment, like I can handle this. So masters of disaster is probably my favorite upside of ADHD. I like that. Cool. Um, well, I don't know. I don't know if you have any of these, but as I was like learning and trying to prepare for this episode, I found a few um, lists of common ADHD myths that I thought would be fun to share. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any you want to start with or do you want me to get into the ones that I found? Not everybody with ADHD is a whirlwind person. Like they're not always just like jumping around and hyperactive. Yeah. Because hyperactivity is a, t- a subtype. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So not everybody is wiling out at all times like if you see me and I'm sitting quietly it's because like my brain is overloaded and my body can't do anything sometimes I'll just like zone out when I'm talking when Calvin and I will be hanging out and I just like need to stare off into the distance for a while and he's like what are you doing I'm like my executive function and uh, self-regulation stores are completely depleted my brain needs to just like run wild in a field for a moment so that it can like restore those executive function and 
self-regulation. Can I ask you something? Yeah. Does your brain run wild? Because I get to points where I, uh, my executive function is depleted um, and I can't do anything physically, Mm -hmm. but it results in a vegetative state for me or like I need to sit and watch something ridiculous and let my brain turn off for a while. So for you, is it letting your brain turn off for a while or is it letting your brain run free? Well, it's kind of both, I guess. Like turning my brain off is letting it run free. So like it's kind of like what they talk about with meditation. For me, when I go into like that blank stare state, it's kind of like meditation. It's like let thoughts just like pass through so that you're not like activating on any one thought. So like I'll be like, I need to do this. And then this happened. And then I have this feeling. Oh, I have a twinge in my neck. Like all of these things are happening in my brain, but I'm not focusing on any one thing. So if I were trying to focus on a TV show, that's actually like using up my executive function and self-regulation because I need to like sit in one place and like watch this TV show and follow the one plot and like concentrate. And I feel really bad if I like am watching a TV show and then 10 minutes later, I have no idea what was happening because my brain was like wiling out. (laughs) So interesting. Yeah. It could be different, different strokes for different folks, I guess. That's cool. It just, the way you said it, I thought like I relate to it, but in a very different way. So I thought I'd ask. Um, Okay. So some myths that I found, and you can let me know what you think about this. Um, the first myth is that you can outgrow it. So we talked about this a little bit already. Um, and basically, like, if you don't treat it, like, is, that's what I found. If you don't treat it either with medication or with behavior management or ideally with both, ADHD would continue into adulthood. Um, but when you, like, develop strengths and, and have a better way of structuring your environment, when you, you know, incorporate medication as needed, um, you can like a kid with ADHD can grow into a really productive adult. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they don't have ADHD anymore. Yeah. So I'm still waiting for myself to grow into a productive adult, but it's, it's true that with the correct treatment that kids can manage it better, but two thirds of people don't grow out of ADHD. Hmm. Um, and in cases like mine, this actually happens. So I'm on a Reddit thread of people with ADHD. And so, so many people, come on there and they're like I was diagnosed in university I didn't know I had ADHD until university wow. and that's so many of them and a lot of them had depression before they were diagnosed because they're like what the fuck is wrong with me like there's something wrong with me that I don't know how to function properly so and you think that you used to but you don't consider that you used to be in a, a school environment that was like heavily structured and yeah. like yeah. 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 You don't realize you're just like, like, I, I always used to be really distractible and like, oh, part of the thing on the document uh, review for my assessment, she, when she read all of my report cards, all of them said, Marta's a lovely girl. Marta's intelligent, but super talkative. Marta doesn't shut up. <laughs> and part of that was like a really big factor of my diagnosis is like, okay, you did great, but like you talked all the time. You were always talking to everyone all around you. And that's how I was hyperactive, I huh. guess. Yeah. Which is why podcasts is a great and terrible place. Yeah. You're like socially hyperactive. <laughs> that's yeah. cool. Um, yeah. There's, so there's people that have signs of ADHD, but they don't realize it. And so not only do people not outgrow it, it's some of them realize later in life only that they have ADHD. Hmm. Interesting. Um, Another myth that I found is that Ritalin is a cure for ADHD and Ritalin as listeners 
probably know uh, Ritalin is a common form of treatment uh, for ADHD that that's meant to help kids focus and like lessen their hyperactivity. But to be most effective, Ritalin should be like Marta talked about earlier, it should be part of a larger treatment plan for mm-hmm. getting academic help and and behavior modification. So it is not a cure. I don't think that there is a cure Mm-mm. for um for ADHD. It's a it's part of a treatment plan. Yeah. yeah. And one of the things that I wanted to bring up was um Ritalin is well I didn't I don't know why I didn't mention this earlier but Ritalin and Concerta and Adderall they're hugely stigmatized as performance enhancing drugs in mm-hmm. school. So before I even was diagnosed with ADHD I knew some kids who were taking Adderall to like help them study and I was like those kids are cheaters I'm naturally smart whatever whatever like I can do this and I never took them and then I was diagnosed with ADHD and I was prescribed with Concerta which is a form of one of these drugs and I was like fuck I don't want to take it like I don't want to be taking performance enhancing drugs like all of these kids I always like hated them because they were cheating you looked at it as like being a steroid for an athlete or something like that yeah or like yeah I just I didn't want to cheat I wanted to do things the right way and I was like no I should be strong enough to do this myself like I should be mentally able to do this myself and I actually struggled with this for a really long time and still on and off I struggle with it I'm like oh I'm not going to take Concerta today because I'm going to try to do it myself but really I'm just fucking up my own progress and I'm like I'm screwing myself over by not taking the medication that was prescribed to me to deal with the neurological disorder that I'm like actually diagnosed with my brain doesn't function properly and this medication helps it function properly so that's something that's a huge myth and i get really agitated about because your brain is not working right you're not like enhancing a brain that's working well you're enhancing a brain that isn't working right so you're trying to get it to work right anyway yeah that's That's, that sounds like a personal inner struggle that you are having yeah huge yeah and for a long time i would take it like on and off or like oh one of the things um Concerta is and all of these ADHD drugs are a classified substance so it's actually really hard to get it oh wow I went to a walk-in clinic and I brought in my diagnosis like I brought in this whole assessment of everything and I was like hi like I need because I left Guelph like after I graduated I left my school I came to Mississauga and I didn't have time to see my regular doctor and I was like I went to a walk-in clinic and the doctor was like no sorry I can't prescribe you these when I go to the pharmacy, I have to, I, the first time I filled my prescription, I had to show my ID because it's a classified drug. Wow. And like, you're trying to get this drug that people abuse and people sell on the black market. And so like, it's the stigma and maybe I was putting it on myself, but like, you feel like it's really hard to come by when you talk about it with a physician or something like that. It's kind of like, oh, you want this because you want to like cheat or something in school like you'd want this because you want to pull an all-nighter like no i need this because i need to just function properly yeah it's like treating it as if it's fucking oxycontin or something like that yeah so i started off with the lowest dose when i was like first prescribed it and that's what they do with you but then i was really afraid of asking for a higher higher dose dose because i was like i don't want to seem like a junkie or like i'm just taking it to like cheat but i was like it's not doing anything for me So I just stopped taking it because I was like, it's not doing anything, but I also don't want to seem like I'm just taking this to cheat. Like how much of this is fair and how much of this is me working on my actual like disordered brain and how much of this is me being like, oh, I want to get the upper hand from meds or whatever. Hmm. 
So it was weird. And now I'm like on a higher dose and I'm looking, I'm actively looking for a psychiatrist to like, just talk to them about my dosage, like what I should be experiencing and what I am experiencing. Cause it is helping me out, but maybe it could help me more, whatever. I'm all for it now. So yeah, cool. sorry. I went on a tangent again. No, all relevant. It's all relevant. Well, actually, and we're not too far off from, from the end of my list of myths. Um, so uh, another myth that I found is that ADHD can be treated with herbs and vitamins. Uh, like there are a lot of, and this is true for, I think, a lot of different disorders or struggles that people have is like, let's give you a miracle cure-all herbal substance that does it for you. I'm sassy, slow blinking. Yeah, you're, you're <laughs> <laughs> the disdain was written on your face. I mean, not at Megan, but at that fact. At the, at the fact. Yeah. Or, no. Sorry, at not the, the fact, at the myth. Um, yeah, the following methods of miracle herbal cures have not been proven to work. Um, optometric vision training, so like like faulty eye movements and sensitivities cause behavioral problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, megavitamins. <laughs> <laughs> We're keeping that in. <laughs> megavitamins and <laughs> mineral supplements. Um <laughs> They don't. They don't cure it either. What about uh, me- mega vitamins? Do they work? <laughs> mega vitamins? I don't know. That I'll have to look. I'll have to Google that one. Um, Anti motion sickness medication to treat inner ear dysfunction. Um, treatment for treatment for candida yeast infections. Um. Uh, did you know your gut flora actually has a lot to do with? I did know how your body, how your brain functions. Yeah, but. Um, Did you know that, um, considering all of that, we actually know very little about the human gut? Yes, yes. Okay, so there's two areas that we know, or two areas that we know very little about, and one that we're, like, learning about that we should focus more on, that I, like, just in my personal opinion, and this has nothing to do with ADHD, but gut flora, we should learn, we should try to learn so much. We don't know anything that mushrooms do, and mushrooms are, like, magical and the key to the world. Megan's smiling because she knows. Went through a phase where I was really obsessed with mushrooms. Not, uh, not the magical kind. Magical kind, but like legit. I just was like really into fungal uh, mycelia for a while. And a third one, and this came from the Joe Rogan podcast. He was interviewing a sleep researcher, which like really tickled my brain. Was sleep? Like, oh yeah, we we require it. Yeah, our bodies wouldn't have evolved to put us into such a vulnerable state for eight hours. A night because when you're sleeping you're vulnerable to predators our bodies wouldn't have evolved to put us into a vulnerable spa- state unless it was absolutely necessary and so many people deprive themselves of sleep and kids who are deprived of sleep s- sleep deprivation symptoms are very consistent with adhd symptoms yeah so a sleep disorder caused by sleep apnea or whatever else could be misdiagnosed as adhd because they're presenting the same system- symptoms and then what's funny is we prescribe concerta and ritalin and these are um, stimulating drugs to these kids with sleep disorders. So, anyway, that's why maybe uh, ADHD is being so widely diagnosed because kids have sleep disorders. Kids are staring at screens and they're not sleeping enough. Or and maybe so, we just know more about ADHD than we previously did. That's also very, very true. Very possible. Huh. Sorry, I went off on a rampage. No, it's fair. Um, I believe in all of it. My gut and my sleep cycle really dictate a, like kind of everything about my they life. They dictate who I am. Yeah, yeah, they really do. It's Sleep's my favorite and <laughs> food's, food's next. My second favorite. Yeah. If I could be eating while sleeping... I'd probably choke, actually. 
Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, the y- fucking treatment for yeast infections, uh, EEG biofeedback, training to increase brainwave activity, but- and finally applied kinesiology, like realigning bones in the skull. So like go to a chiropractor, I guess, to treat your ADHD. You can't realign the bones that like are at the front of your skull though, which is where ADHD happens. It's also not bullshit. proven to work. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> no, I know. I'm just like, just why would people think that this works? I don't know because people are desperate for an answer and people don't trust doctors. People are desperate for an answer that like isn't medication, but medication. Ugh. Another yeah. thing is like herbal supplements are just non-regulated medicine. Yes. So like people are crazy. I think people, yeah, I think people mistrust doctors and I think people think that like we need to go back to the earth or if it comes from the earth then it's fine even though a lot of things most things that come from the earth are gonna fucking kill you Mm -hmm. um yeah i just like there's a lot of misplaced trust in the world i think that's where what it comes down to doctors usually are pretty dope yeah yeah and they've like definitely gone to more school than somebody who's gonna prescribe you a herbal supplement um anyway uh basically if you have adhd or if your child has ADHD, you should you should work with a medical professional. You should work with like counselors at your kid's school. You should work with their teachers. You should kind of just work with like their whole support system to ADHD support coaches. Them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, another myth is that ADHD isn't associated with other conditions, mm. but a lot of kids who are diagnosed with ADHD have coexisting conditions like um, conduct disorder. Uh, I found a source that said up to 35% of children with ADHD also have oppositional conduct disorder and they tend to like lose their temper really easily. They're defiant, they're hostile. um, And studies show that this type of coexisting condition is most common among children with um, primarily with the hyperactivity and impulsivity. Uh, You know what I'm trying to say? Impulsivity combination types of ADHD. Yeah, because uh, like paying attention to people in authority mm-hmm. like that takes a lot of self-regulation and executive function and managing your emotions takes a lot of self-regulation and executive function um you mentioned that adhd is often comorbid with other things in the interest of full disclosure i wanted to mention that i was also diagnosed with a learning disability of working memory and processing speed which along with my adhd affects my academic fluency hmm. but it could be argued that a learning disability with working memory and processing processing speed could just be a byproduct of ADHD. Yeah, could be. But yeah, I was also diagnosed with another issue along with ADHD, and that happens so 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 often. Well, and all of these things, yeah, learning disabilities is another um, thing that is often comorbid with ADHD um, because a learning disability makes it difficult for a child to master specific skills like reading or with math, and ADHD though it's not a learning disability in itself it's a common accessory to learning disabilities and the two conditions together can make it really difficult for kids to do well in school um and um i'm glad you said that point about uh, it's possible that it could be a byproduct of having adhd because i felt the same thing for conduct disorder that like mm-hmm. it could just be like you are so um um, unable to like regulate yourself especially yeah. with a th- authority figure so maybe like it comes out as a conduct disorder um, but 
it could just be one of the ways your ADHD is presenting itself. Yeah. Um, mood disorders are also very common with people um, who have been diagnosed with ADHD, about 18%. Me? I know. No. And like, it made me think about your Reddit group that so many of them um, say that they struggle with depression. Um, about 18% of children with ADHD also have a mood disorder, um, more frequently among children with the inattentive uh, and combined types. Um, children with mood disorders or depression often require a different kind of medication than are normally used. Um, and anxiety disorders, which affect around 25% of children with ADHD. You want to know something? They tell you, like for Concerta and everything, like you are basically not allowed to take these medications if you have anxiety anxiety wow um because oh, it because it would, oh of course because it's a stimulant so like i might struggle with anxiety but whatever i didn't tell my doctor because i was like give me those adhd meds <laughs> like i never really struggled with anxiety before well that's a good meds, thing though. like you said earlier wanting to talk to somebody about it like that would be another good thing to probably say is like maybe part of why it, you're feeling or if you're feeling like it's not as effective as it could be for you perhaps that's part of why yeah yeah that it's just like maybe not the right it's kind of like um being diagnosed with depression and needing to find the right antidepressant for yourself like it's not like a one-size-fits-all sort of thing yeah um, yeah, so on the note of children with anxiety disorders and ADHD, um, they would have difficulty functioning because of extreme feelings of fear, worry, or panic, and they might frequently suffer from racing pulse, sweating, diarrhea, and nausea, and counseling or medication might be needed to treat those coexisting conditions. Speaking of sweating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, another thing, along with the myths, I thought that a nice way to wrap this up would be to talk about... Um, some really successful people who had ADHD, but they don't mess around. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of very well-known successful people who have ADHD and to name a few. And they were all really, I was like, are you f serious? <laughs> some of them are old. And so I wonder how we, um, we probably don't decided know. that they have ADHD because they're dead before we got that diagnosis. But bear with me here. Salvador <laughs> Dali. Yeah. yeah. That explains a lot of his it's artwork. surreal. Um, <laughs> Emily Dickinson, Ben Franklin, Robert Frost, Bill Gates, Mozart. Bill Gates. Yeah, apparently Bill Gates. Mozart, though. Of course. Of course. We'll Google Bill Gates. Yeah. Do it. Um, Joan Rivers. Google her while you're at it. Um, <laughs> Van Gogh. Um, I particularly really liked the artists uh, who were listed because I immediately started thinking about their art and like Van Gogh and just like yeah. why he's impactful for art, but also just like why he struggled so much as a person and um, like, but like how what hard he would created. It, be? it just yeah. I'm just thinking about how hard it would be for me to like focus on. But it's not hard for you to focus on something you care Hyper -focus, about. Focus, motherfuckers. Yeah. Same with like like. Van Gogh and Dali, like absolutely Mozart. Hold the door. ADHD can be a CEO secret superpower. An article from Huffington Post. So what we've learned in this podcast is that um, being having ADHD or being a psychopath could make you a really excellent CEO. Is like we can add ADHD to the list of the CEO list. things that a CEO may um, use to their advantage. Because you have a thousand things going on in your head at once. Uh, yeah, and you're just like hyperactive you're you're like hyper focused maybe or you're just like i don't know um i don't know how good of a ceo i'd be but robin williams apparently huh um the wright brothers apparently oh. and they're like fuck this let's fly 
Yeah. Um, and uh, Virginia Woolf. Yeah. So those are just to name a few. There are, I'm sure, thousands more. And uh, yeah, ADHD can be, <laughs> it can be a good. secret superpower, apparently. Yeah. But let's not undermine it is a it's a disorder. Oh, yes. It's also. a disorder, but it doesn't. It, yeah, it, yeah. No, I didn't mean that you were undermining it. I just meant like for our listeners. Yeah. Don't mean to in- undermine it at all. But just to say that like you you're can not, you can still have like a really awesome life it's not a it's you're not, not a broken just death different. sentence either yeah 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 and if you have adhd and you're listening to this i can almost guarantee that you're like folding laundry right now or doing something or you got bored and turned this off <laughs> bye <laughs> in which case thanks for trying or listening um, to it on 1.5 speed which is how i listen to most of my podcasts seriously yeah Except for the funny ones. If it's a funny podcast or like a story podcast, like Homecoming or something like that, yeah. I listen to it at the speed that it's meant to be played. But if it's like a news today or like... You're like... Yeah, informational podcast. Yeah. I'm like, give it to me as fast as humanly possible because my attention span is like that of a gnat. So give it fast. Wow. That sounds bad. Yeah. <laughs> give it fast. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Marta. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Marta, for uh, for being so open and talking through your uh, your experience with ADHD and your diagnosis. This was like super informative. My I pleasure. Think. Yeah, it was really. I liked this one. I learned a lot. I hope our listeners. I hope you feel like you learned a lot. Um, and if we have any listeners out there living with ADHD uh, and you wanted to share more or share your story or add to what we've talked about today, let us know. You can reach us at um, who knew we didn't at gmail.com or on pretty much any social media you can think of Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, we're who knew we didn't everywhere. We have a Patreon. Just like reach out if you want to share anything and we'd love to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, See, yeah thanks see thanks for listening everybody <laughs> okay, bye. have a good one bye <laughs>